Tonight on Podcast I'm Down, uh, the Enterprise runs afoul of a guy who's bad at his job and a pretty metal puppet. I'm Tim from American power metal band Burning Shadows, Fade to Black Metallica tribute, dual violin folk metal band Eisenmore, and recently vacated graves, true zombie metal, true and the host, metal. and the host of Podcast Them Down. And I'm joined by one of you guys. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Matt, and I'm also on the... Doug and I are talking at the same time. This is a good intro. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we decided to go live with the intro. Yeah, we do it live. You know, like goddamn live. We're let them in the process. That's right. That's All my right. advice. So, so today, li- oh no, that's later. That's later. <laughs> today, the we're continuing the Star Trek original series rewatch. Uh, somehow, we made it through October without airing a single one of these, and then throughout November, we've caught up. <laughs> so it is now December, finally. And the best month, except you, for January. You know, Metal Nation, <laughs> I heard, I heard the rumor that on the very next podcast, I'm down, the big guy might be paying a visit. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to show my hand, but we might just might have a very special guest, you know, uh, a very special guest on the next podcast, I'm down. That's sounds amazing the next one we record or the next one that gets aired <laughs> well i don't i don't even know how this works but right, but so sometime soon eventually keep listening all right for the sake of posterity someone do a body count check oh is body count on there i'll, I'll look it up while you guys do while you guys talk about i i like the title of this episode because it sounds like uh sounds like a uh, a uh Prague Power album, The Corbinite Maneuver. It really does sound like it. Yes, I agree. Um, not one of those ones with a good story, though. Body Count is not on Metal Archives at the moment. Oh, fuck. All right. This is uh, insert episode number here. Let me look it up. It, this should be episode 48 or 49. God damn. All right, so that we open with the Enterprise doing some very intense star mapping. Damn, we're jumping right to this. Well, you know the the episode starts right to it too, so the, that's it a good does. Call it does, and uh, and I had to look it up. You know, my positional research. I don't like to do it, but I did, uh, and this was the third episode shot, and it explains a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Spock's in command. Um, well, in the words of Memory Alpha, Kirk is submitting to a quarterly physical. Uh, which we submitting? Uh, submitting. <laughs> it sounds I, I, like it's against his will. You know, I disagree with them putting that in the teaser because we don't learn that until Act One. So. Tim's going to cut that part out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is this is live to tape, Doug. All right. Do you want me to cut it out? I don't even know what no, I'm doing. No, 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 no. Please, please don't. I, the I, people in the process. We, so, I, then, yeah, go ahead, Matt. I mean, I would just like, before we get into what's going on, I just want to talk about the tediousness of the Enterprise's task 
at hand. Um, so this is the really the third ever shot episode of Star Trek, right? Like if if they were played in production order, this would have been the right after where No Man has has gone before, and the last time we left the Enterprise, they were like fighting God and and zooming through the galactic barrier. And now what they appear to be doing is just steering the ship one degree at a time, snapping a photograph, and then turning around another one degree and snapping a photograph. And they've been doing this for three days. Well, depending on what they're doing, one degree could be a whole lot. It <laughs> could be too much. You know, because you start get, getting scalloping effects if it's some kind of beam-formed uh, data they they're working with. sensors in the future. They specifically say the word photograph, though. Um, so that leads me to believe they're physically yeah, but, taking a photograph. Yeah, but the James Webb Space Telescope... The ba- James Webb Space Telescope okay. isn't just a camera. It's a bunch of mirrors and it's stitching images together. But anyway. Okay. Well, they, they do they do mention that because they're they said 1 degree to overlap. So I imagine they're actually doing, you know, this is very okay. scientific here. Okay, so, the, so I think they're the, just the the beam width is is big enough. <laughs> yeah. It's it's okay to okay. All right. I'll, I'll let you and, continue. And not doing this external to the ship. So it takes the incredible power of the enterprise to perform this exercise. Yeah. So you're getting a lot of, of, of resolution and a lot of uh, shit in the frame. Sure, sure, sure. But I just like, you know, we often think of the enterprise as like the flagship of the Federation, like a big, important vessel doing big, important stuff. But I like how we start off and the enterprise is just doing a shit ass job. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess they're doing all the science <laughs> that you assume that that is like glossed over. Yeah, exactly. Later. Exactly. They're like, like uh, it's a science. Mi- well, this is actually the most sciencey mission ever. <laughs> Tedious <yeah>. measurements. <laughs> yes. That take so I, en- I enjoy that, but we don't, we don't get to enjoy them tediously taking pictures for long. Um, um because very quickly thereafter, uh, at light speed comes this uh, object. The warp one. I guess you would call it. Uh, what would you call it, Doug? Not an object, I guess. Memory Alpha. I'll, I'll go. I'll buy this. They call it a mysterious object. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really just like a, a shiny cube. Um, so this shiny cube, multicolored cube. It's uh, like it, a Rubik's Cube if you ever complete yeah. one. Yeah. And and you know how like when you complete one it like lights up and spins around uh and it's, it's doing that. It's kind of like Rubik's Cube and Simon. They were uh, they if you do remember. That? I've never finished yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's so hard to finish. <laughs> what? what? Um so uh, uh so this thing comes at them. Uh they they mention all their deflectors don't work and and uh you know all their attempts to evade it don't work. Uh, Chief Navigator Lieutenant Dave Bailey, who we'll talk about a lot in this episode, uh, acts like a whiny uh, a douche. Like Listen, This is a person who's graduated Starfleet Academy, 
uh, presumably has worked at least through the rank of ensign to lieutenant. He had that humor spaceships. column. He had that humor column that was syndicated in newspapers. Yeah, yeah, Dave. Dave, <laughs> Dave Bailey. Dave Bailey. Funny thing happening. Today's Thanksgiving, but I didn't give any thanks. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but this guy starts acting like I can't even describe what he's. He acts like an impetuous, like preteen who wants to be seen as a badass, but immediately cowers behind his mom's skirt as soon as something bad happens. Yeah, he start. It's like uh, he he wants to be Gary Mitchell and fails at even that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he just gets crazy and and freaks out on the bridge. And 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 Spock sounds red alert or not even the alert. It's so yeah. It, they call a condition alert. Yeah. So so competent officers Spock and Sulu do their job. Old Dave Bailey's crying in the corner. Memory and Alpha. Memory Alpha specifically says Sulu declares red alert. Are you- they're li- they're lying. <laughs> they're they're glossing over. You know, Metal Nation, get out there and correct Memory Alpha. I think um, I think they owe us a debt of gratitude. Yeah. For. Uh, uh, pointing out all their errors. You're mm-hmm. welcome, Memory Alpha. Mm-hmm. All right, and and that's that's literally the teaser. It jumps right into it. It's 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 done. So I forget uh, which sound I use for for <laughs> between it, the acts. Uh, yeah, we go to the we go to the deliberation chambers. I think it's just a door. <laughs> yeah, well, these are all not named right. So let's hear what this is. No, that's tricorder. Uh, nope. Tricorder. No, that's, uh, that's navigation. Well, I only have three, so naturally I picked the two wrong ones. So it's got to be that one. There we go. Ah, there we go. All right. All right. We're in the chamber. <laughs> in the chamber now. All right. Um, uh, uh, who who wants to start? <laughs> that's a, that, I'll start. I'll start. Uh, nothing really happens, and there's a coward. Not metal. Uh, it's. Tedium, tedium could be metal, so, mm-hmm. um, especially like talking to someone who likes dream theater. That's fucking tedious. <laughs> so, let's. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm give gonna it a. You and Bailey, though, he's an unknowing, impetuous coward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F and metal, the best kind of coward. All right, and there's some mystery. Well, I'm gonna give it a metal score of. Three and a quality score also of three. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to give it a. Um, I agree with your metal score of three. Nothing really metal has happened yet. There's lots of metal potential, but very <laughs> little metal actuality. What metalness there is, um, it's it's like it's like an image of metal to come, but nothing particularly metal happens in the in the teaser. We're just kind of set up. Uh, but I do think it's actually well done. I like the juxtaposition of the tedium of the Enterprise's job versus the immediate emergency and kind of whole shift of of tone of the crew. Um, even even uh, fucking Dave Bailey, who starts as being a whiny bitch, like, oh, I hate space duty. I hate taking pictures. 
And then as soon as something happens, he's like, oh, I hate this. So that gets a six from me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm even going to go as... Um... No, I'll match your six. And I... No, I'm going to go up to a seven. Because, yeah, yeah. The, the contrast between the the scientific footing and the dealing with the unknown footing... Uh, they set up Bailey really well, and we have to put this teaser in context. It's only the whatever episode we're at, the third to film, eighth or ninth to air. Yeah, because we're gonna see this this teaser, what uh, the Tholian web uh, at least. Yeah, in a few years we'll see it in um, uh, Encounter at Farpoint again. This yeah, this this episode is basically Encounter at Farpoint just. Uh, at least the first two thirds of it, uh, which I enjoy. The, the rest of it is Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I I totally agree because I could not stop thinking about that. Like, and I don't I don't associate this episode with the that. So it was fun rewatching it with that right. in mind because it's like beat by beat at points the same. Yeah, it it's it's almost like if the first. 30-ish minutes of Encounter at Farpoint were a Star Trek episode. <laughs> it would be this episode. Did you um, give scores, uh, Doug? Uh, 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 you know, I'm going to go with the metal score of five because I think okay. Bailey is actually pretty metal. How whiny and unhinged he is. <laughs> I, I am going to deduct... I just realized this is my time to do it. I'm going to deduct half a point because... Spock and and many other primary characters have like a real froofy collar, uh, which bothers me. And they they haven't figured out the fitting of the uniform yet, uh, and it just looks uh, um, misshapen and unmetal. Um, uh, it's 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 a minor thing, but it it bothers me. Why why is his collar like that? Hey, um, hey as long as you're deducting points, I'm gonna deduct a point from the uh, Minnesota Wild. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, the, the, well, be interesting to see how you score the, the Wrath of Khan. Me? Yeah. No, I like those colors. I love those colors. <laughs> so it's the poor fit. Yeah, no, no, no. I, turtleneck style. I have no problem with a turtleneck style uniform. I have a problem with going on TV with a, with something that doesn't fit. I think the um, maybe the Enterprise's space tailor fail, failed as physical, and they had to depart well, without him. It, in this episode, they're still they're still somewhat. It looks like it looks like they realized the where no man had gone before uniforms aren't working, um, and they've hit upon the right uniform. But it looks like uh, the costume designer was like, "I need like forty more minutes to get these right," and they're like, "Sorry, <laughs> we got to get this shit out right now." Um, so I think that's more of an issue. It's, it's a production issue, not an issue with the thing itself. Yeah. Then, uh, we can read something into it or we don't, but Ahura is wearing command colors. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Which, which I think she should really, um, well, but... we'll, we'll get to it, but on the basis of who Kirk pages and who shows up, it's kind True. of interesting. And True. Okay. That. What does True. she wear okay. later? Uh, as uh, engineering or the 
The engineering security, the operations division. Operations. Maybe it depends division. how involved it is to run the communication system. <laughs> like, mm. it's, a, it's a big job. Yeah. So, uh, did you give a quality score? Or I wasn't. I was only half score listening. Seven metal score five. Wow. All right. So, right. so we need the liberation chamber. Do we have to We're scan dead. Act One now? You know what? I, I, I understand your scores, Doug. I think you are letting the action later on in the episode uh, influence your scores. I agree with you, and this is a tension I'm having. Do I reward this teaser for setting things up that I will enjoy in the next acts, or do I let it stand on its own? So, so I just, I just want to say, even though I disagree with your scores, I understand them. And respect them. Well, this is why you need me here to be perfectly uh, uh, objective, unlike you two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so objective, you haven't even out. watched the episode. That's you the, just like the episode name. Uh-huh, and I, I skimmed the memory alpha. That's all I need to do. All right, so... We uh, act one. Um, we get a captain's log. It's not one of those ones that says something more than we already know. Although it does at least let us know that it's a general alert and not mm-hmm. merely a condition alert that was called. And anyway, Kirk's getting his quarterly physical, which involves not wearing a shirt, sweating profusely, being three quarters introverted and using the step things we saw mm-hmm. in Charlie X. Yeah, again Just, we see that like um weird not a treadmill like big kick into the wall device. Which like, I is, appreciate. It, is it anaerobic exercise? Is it is it give a lot of resistance or is this a stamina like I think it's stamina because he's looking at if you look at the monitor, he's looking at his respiration and his heart rate. So so I think it's I think it's a stress test of some kind. Um wh- why that particular stress test, I'm not sure. I, I understand why a captain would need to undergo a stress test, but it just seems like a weird um thing. Well, our our medicine's barbaric now. There's going to be a lot of the changes that we can't even pretend to understand. Um, but yeah, the, the either general alert doesn't mean much. <laughs> McCoy just the complete dereliction of duty. The second one, because uh, they're specifically paging Captain Kirk to the bridge. And McCoy makes him finish his physical mm-hmm. before he bothers to tell him that there is a red alert scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the light is going off. McCoy looks at it and is like, fuck that, and goes back to the test. And then, then Kirk walks, you know, no, before Kirk, like, what am I, a doctor or a moon shuttle, moon shuttle conductor? conductor. And he says, if I jumped at every light or that light that came around on around here, I'd end up talking to myself. So basically, we get the sense that McCoy has a has a very strange sense of what's important <laughs> on this ship that he lives on. <laughs> I, I, I think we'll see this from a couple of characters this episode. But yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, uh, practical drift in people's acceptance of risk. 
yeah. versus and, the manual. And strange sense of like what duty is, because assumingly they're all in this uh, peacekeeping scientific armada, which is a quasi-military organization. And yet no one seems to have the kind of standard discipline you would think that such organizations should have. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot, we'll get to it, but there's a lot of enablement in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Okay, so the light comes on. Kirk's like, I gotta get out of here. Uh, sh- he goes up shirtless to the bridge for some reason. I think his shirt is draped over his uh, shoulder, or he has like a... Yeah, he drapes his shirt over his shoulder. No time to get dressed. Why, Captain, um, you're out of uniform. He is. Uh, he goes up there. Uh, <laughs> Bailey is is freaking the fuck out. Um, but but he he's self conscious about his outburst earlier, and he he apologizes to Spock. Say says it's because I have an adrenal gland. And classic Spock. He says, "Well, maybe you should get it removed." Oh, he's like the Andrew Dice Clay of space. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> Sulu tells him it's it's a bad idea to cross brains with Spock. Um, and then then we just go back to business. We scan the cube. Uh, Scotty is there. We haven't seen Scotty a lot uh, well, in any of these episodes. So, so a couple uh, actually in the in the teaser and when Kirk walks on the bridge here, this episode's unusually well filmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's the type of shots they wouldn't take the time for later. Yeah. Like, there's a great handheld point of view shot of Kirk walking onto the bridge, and there's a crane shot looking down. Uh, these yeah, are the things they really reuse. Yeah, there's a great crane shot when they're pressing the button to take the camera, to take the photograph. It's, it's one of the most... I was just amazed at how impressive this shot was, and... And and kind of sad. It was never ever used again for anything. Not even like a a photon torpedo or anything. So I think on his way up, Kirk has requested that all of the department person uh, department heads yep, come yep. up. So of course, I was very revealing who shows up, uh, and this personnel director is still nowhere to be found. Established in the last episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's Scotty, Spock, and McCoy, and then Spock, excuse me, Scotty gives the shittiest report ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally, it's like, what's your, where's, where's the dialogue? Uh, yeah. Uh, Scotty, asking for a report. Motive power beats me what makes it go. And Kirk's like, I'll buy speculation. I'd sell it if I had any. That's a solid cube. How something like that can sense us coming, block us, move us when we move up? Well, it beats me. That's my report. This is James Dewan's only two lines in the episode. The rest is just him looking concerned occasionally. So he, he's informed us that it's a salad cube, which we probably already knew. And that's all the chief engineer has to say. I get it that, that uh, McCoy uh, um, uh, doubles down on that same report. 
because he's the life sciences. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, this Bailey freaks out and wants to blast it. Fortunately, the Enterprise is not a democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he very clearly says that. So Bailey's like, we should just fucking blow it up, sir. And, and Kirk is like, well, I'll keep that in mind, Lieutenant Bailey, when, you, when it's a democracy. But fuck you. Get back to work. Um, we get a strange mid-act log entry, even though there's no reason to. Uh, and again, we get no new information. It's just, there's this cube. We don't know what's going on. We've been here for, for 18 hours. Um, and uh, we just kind of, at this point, they just kind of guess that it's some kind of space boy. So I guess it advances the timeline a little bit. Yeah. And then now, we cut to... The uh, briefing room, and we get to see who the extended leadership team of the Enterprise is. Which yeah, but real of- quick, you said space. Do you mean buoy or do you mean boy? Well, I I prefer to think of it as a space boy, but it is a buoy. <laughs> <laughs> space okay, buoy. All right, I, th- I didn't. If you meant space boy, <laughs> I wanted clarification. Although keep, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't watched the episode, but but keep that other phrase in mind. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. All right, go on, go on. So leader, it leadership mind. team, which consists of uh, Spock, Kirk, McCoy, Uhura, and then the two helmsmen. <laughs> which which begs the question: Who's on the bridge at the time? <laughs> So they discuss it a little bit more. They're they're like, well, they should maybe say they like take phasers at it. Um, Bailey sucks at listening. Um, so so Kirk and Spock are talking about flypaper, um, and say like, well, we shouldn't stick around because that would convey weakness. Um, meaning they should get out of there. Right, but Bailey, for some reason, believes this means we should shoot the fuck out of this buoy. So he orders the phaser gun crew to to get ready. Um, and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you doing, Bailey?" Uh, and they yell at him. Um, and so instead, uh, Kirk orders Bailey to plot a spiral course away. Um, and they try to escape it, but as they do. Uh, the cube starts emitting lethal radiation and closes in on the ship. Yeah, and they, they, there's a and a lot of people are knocked around in the hallway. Yeah, we see the same like twelve people fall down in the hallway six or seven times during the sequence, including a guy that has a great vest full of na- like labeled pockets, and I really want that vest. <laughs> It's just like a canvas vest, but it's just like big cargo pockets everywhere with late labels, illegible labels on them. You must do the actual engineering. Or or he's like the the grommet guy. Like I have all the sizes of grommets here in my vest. Just tell me where to go. All right, to the deliberation chamber. All right. Oh, did they? Did they uh, also, uh, they wait. Uh, go, come back. Leave. Come back. All right, <laughs> back. Okay. Uh, they 
they they they blow up the cube. All right, back in the back in the thing. All right, that's right. Yeah, and this radiation. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yep, back in the chamber. All right. Um. So there was a lot of unprovoked violence, <laughs> but not we, yeah. Enough. Well, yeah, but I I mean we encountered an unknown object. Let's destroy it. That was that was what they wanted to do first. Um, true. Yeah. True. True. So Matt, do you think since this is a a peace the the flagship of a peacekeeping armada on a scientific mission? Do you think the phaser crew that those are like dedicated positions, or is it like a SWAT team, which just oh, people need to respond in three minutes' notice? Yeah, I want to imagine that they're all like a like a hydrologist or something, uh, who like on their on their off time like learn how to shoot the phasers. Um, so you know they're in like the hydroponics bay, and then they get like a little page, like a beeper, and then they go <laughs> to manage you know man the guns or something like this. Sorry to ruin the experiment, but it's a red alert. I studied botany for this. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, because uh there wouldn't there would never be like a dedicated gunners or anything on a on a uh, star. Yeah, this is the this is all about peace and yeah. spreading the good news. Like on the Enterprise on the Enterprise D, I know all the weapons officers are also the kindergarten teachers, but but we know there's no children on the Enterprise. Uh, oh gee, uh, seventeen oh one, nothing. So, so I'm sure they have some other job. Uh, let's give some scores here. Maybe I'll start. Anyone? Uh, <laughs> it, it, there, there's some tension here. Uh, Bailey's actions are quizzical. Um, I'm not sure how quizzical they'd be to a 1960s audience, but he just seems to be, uh, weirdly insubordinate, um, and just strangely out of place. Uh, I, I did like the, uh, adrenaline gland, maybe you should have a removed quip. Um, I do like any opportunity to just sexily take off William Shatner's shirt and make him glisten with sweat. Um, I, I, I do like the utter ineffectualness, uh, of anyone's guesses as to what's going on. Uh, so I'm going to continue with my six quality score and up the metal to uh 4.5. I'm going to, I, I buy the most of that logic, but I, I don't end up at the same place. I'm going to go five and five. Right. All right. Shit. Find the... <laughs> Overall incompetence, the disorder, and their com complete reliance on James Kirk to do anything. Very <laughs> uh, metal. Uh, it does kind of hurt the tension a little bit, though. It is a it is pretty intense uh, for a second act, though. Don't forget the doctor's apathy during an emergency. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty. You know, at five point five. Yeah. 5.5 and 6 yeah. now. Yeah. Six, I'm going to go with a 5 and 6. 5. 5 is your metal, 6 is your quality, or the other way around? Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, we're out of the room. Oh, we're, out of the, <laughs> we're out of the deliberation chamber now. I, I hope you got my scores right. <laughs> I hope I did too. All right. Um, so they destroy the cube. Um, 
And, and then, then the credits roll, and then it's over, right? Yeah, it's like... Um, but no, actually, actually, remind me about the credits rolling, because hey, there's a fun hey, fact later hey, on. Hey, thanks for the content match, asshole. <laughs> oh. Actually... You just demonetized us. Did you? Did I tell you that Gene Roddenberry wrote lyrics for that fucking song just so he could get ass caps? Did yes. we mention that? I did right, know that. that I don't know if we mentioned that. Fuck that dude. What a dick. Uh, I'm just kidding, because we're not monetized to begin with, because we're unmonetizable. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Right, excellent. Excellent. You're listening to Podcast um, Them Down, the unmonetizable metal podcast. As opposed to all those monetizable metal podcasts, am I right? Oh, no, there there might be one, there might be two. Metallica podcast definitely monetizable. Oh, it, it's all ads, and the whole thing is to sell their box set. And you know what? Uh, I didn't need a podcast to get me to buy the box set. <laughs> Wait, weren't we going to review the podcast of that? Well, I've been listening to it, and it's fantastic. Um, but uh. You know, you you can do it too. It's just gonna be if if we reviewed that podcast, it would just be me talking about how much I love it because <laughs> it's great. Well, maybe we'll get some counterpoint. Maybe I'll not listen to the episode. Maybe we can do it. Do you want do me to walk pod- off again? <laughs> can we do a Can we do a podcast re-listen podcast? What to like this podcast? Yeah, we need to check ourselves. Like yeah. when we got a season. It'll be a calibration exercise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, but back to Act 2. So they blew up the fucking cube. Um, there's nothing else in the sensor range. Um, they don't really know what to do next. Um, they seem weirdly uh, confused. Well, we get an intense Kirk Spock scene. Um, right. They establish that their options are to probe ahead or go back. And then it comes down to logic. And then I don't even think Scott, Mr. Spock, says anything. And then Kirk just starts lecturing him on how they're out here to connect with alien life. And then Spock's like, why do you ask me anything? And he's like, you give me emotional comfort. And they're they're like 18 inches away from each other. And and Spock is wearing the or or hers thing. No, 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 not now. He's not wearing that thing. Bailey is. Bailey is. But okay. anyway, right. so they right, go ahead. So they uh, so basically, he tells Bailey to go straight ahead. Um, and again, it's unclear because Bailey's the helmsman or the navigator or something. But for some reason, that makes him in charge of the phaser crews. So Kirk starts giving them shit that the phaser crews didn't respond in time when he ordered them to shoot. Um. And so he has them like run proficiency drills. Um, and, and McCoy is concerned that everyone's just been a, through a tense situation. And so having them run drills is probably not the best idea. And Kirk is like, don't hey, tell me how to be a fucking captain, asshole. Hey, then don't sign up for Starfleet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm on the um, command side on, on this one. Nothing makes you proficient like doing the same thing till you physically can't anymore, which it's appears like, to be Kirk's approach. Hey, hey, it worked in uh, uh, Miracle, right? It did. Yes. And, and, and Mighty Ducks 3. 
And we see Kirk's, uh, it'll, it'll come back repeatedly, but his blindness to the incompetence of Bailey. The phaser crew, yeah, they might have been a second or so off. I mean, they, they're running from the hydroponics bay, whatever. You know, it takes a little while to get in your seats and hit the button. But Bailey is the one who's like, kill, kill, destroy. And then he locks yeah. up. And it was yeah. all him. And now... However many people have to do this until they're 100% proficient. Yeah, they're 94% good, by the way. And Kirk's like, let's get that extra fucking 6%. Oh, come on. That's an A. That is an A. They get up to 94% from whatever the unestablished baseline during the length of time it takes for uh, McCoy and Kirk to throw down a drink. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk strangely chides McCoy for reading textbooks, which is something I would want a doctor to do, like be up and proficient on his knowledge. But like you're reading fucking textbooks, Doc. This is space. Yeah, um, it's uh, all about the guts. Right for the gut. Yeah, I know uh, this Bailey kid. Trust so now, me. now we're so this is going on. Now we're in Kirk's quarters. Rand shows up with a salad, and Kirk looks perplexed. <laughs> he says, what is this, green leaves? And uh, uh, Rand informs him that McCoy changed his diet card because he's overweight. Um, uh, Kirk is upset because Rand is hovering over him while he's trying to eat his salad. Um, salad. He doesn't want to eat until the crew eats. What? Not in the wardroom. What's going on? It's it's just a lot of weird shit. He's he's wait uh, just. And why is Rand like? (laughs) She's she serves him food now. Is that a thing? Yeah, she's well, she's the yeoman, you know. Yeah, but Um, and and then after he gets this uh, this meal from her. And McCoy refuses to eat salad. Um, That's because he's a blooded American in the sixties. Yeah. Then Kirk starts complaining about the headquarters genius that assigned him a female yeoman. And McCoy's like, "What's the matter? Don't you trust yourself?" And Kirk says, "I've already got a female to worry about. Her name's the Enterprise." Hey. And (laughs) yeah, it's just. Strange, but luckily, this weird bullshit ends quickly because an object much larger starts coming towards them. Is it also and Spock a square? Calls Kirk to the bridge. No, in fact, round. <laughs> what? Oh. Um. So uh, Kirk goes up to the bridge. This is a long fucking act, uh, and a big fucking round ball made of balls. Yeah, no, it, looks, it looks like a popcorn ball or like uh, an, an undercooked annulati. Is that what that's called? I, oh, the that's, risotto balls? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good description. Um, I think uh, this is a strange occurrence where both the remastered version and the original version look remarkably similar. Um, <laughs> it, it's true of the cube, too. The original yeah. holds up very well, I must say. And and so it's just like this big ball made of balls uh, coming up 
to them. It, yeah, the popcorn ball is a great description there. Um, and it identifies themselves as the... We should mention this ship is huge. It 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 dwarfs the Enterprise. Um, uh, it's gigantic. Uh, it it hails them. It sends them a message. We get we hear the word. Uh, there's a fucking sequence where Kirk says the phrase "ship to ship" ninety times in a row. Um, and Uhura this- says hailing frequencies open immediately afterwards. Like again, ninety times in a row. Um, they try and talk to the ship. The ship says, uh, uh, I'm Balok, the commander. This is the Fasarius of the First Federation. Um, and you destroyed our warning boy. And now you're going to be, uh, detained. It's, uh, I was hoping it was the, uh, primitive Borg when they were made of corn. <laughs> the, the Korg? The Korg. <laughs> If only. Um, they they try to send a recorder marker to let Starfleet know shit's down. Uh, Balok destroys that. Uh, and then uh, he announces that he's going to destroy the Enterprise uh, for blowing up their little cube and, and gives them 10 minutes to prepare for death, assuming that ha- they have a deity or deities. Um, and McCoy tells Kirk that the... The message was heard all across the ship, so there's no hiding what's going on. Um, okay, and- so I can, I can get, like, the, everyone speaks English, because if they didn't, you wouldn't have much of any stories to tell. But why does everyone use Earth-based time? It's a nice round number. It's 10 Earth minutes. No, he... Well, no, Balak has scanned their yeah. databanks, so he says he says ten of your Earth minutes. So he he's being like, um, yeah, but he's also sensitive. picking a round number that's you know it's a base ten counting system, like uh, yeah, but but, but he's he, uh, so we didn't set it up perfectly, but they they scanned the Enterprise yeah. just like out of the motion picture, learned everything possible about Earth and and. Use okay, that before so. making their decision. All right, yeah, they're I'll, they're doing it for the benefit of the Earthers, not not any alien reason. I will retract my argument, but next time I see this bullshit again. <laughs> well, where you, the bullshit you can call out is how they mix metric and imperial. When yeah, yeah, but the Navy does that now. So. That's true. <laughs> like okay, imperial is relatable to human experience. Space is not relatable to human experience. So use metric out there. That's fine. This is like another one That's of Doug's the- anti-metric system screeds. I don't know. That yeah. was a strong argument from Doug. He's 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 uh <laughs> he's 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 uh winning me over slightly. So okay. So then something really, really, really out of character oh, and hang on. fucking weird happens. Well, well the he's, first wait, 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 wait. Back to the minutes thing. He says, we therefore grant you 10 Earth time periods known as minutes. Well, you yeah. could have said that, and then we would have uh, saved a few minutes on the podcast. No, 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 because, like, <laughs> the Metal Nation likes every Earth time period known as minute that we lay down. Oh, and, in man. fact, I've heard that they love episodes that go plus 90 minutes. Um, so that's why we have to leave all of this in. Um you know, I, I've read the angry emails 
that the Shield Brother episode stopped at 48 minutes and was cut into a two-parter. That could have been one fucking 78-minute episode. I mean, people were just furious about Mud's women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally <laughs> had someone call me uh, call me a fizzle. What? <laughs> that counter was just affronting to the yeah. audience. Yeah. I'm I'm going to look up if we lost any listeners from that episode. You you guys <laughs> go on. All right. Well, first of all, Kirk passes on the opportunity to disavow any relationship to primitive god images. Mhm. Because we just have the one. Yeah. But yeah. But I found that kind of weird. I I, I took that as Kirk has more on his mind. Oh, uh, it, it's not a time to yell about God. Mud's women is in quite a, quite a deep trough. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was, our most, <laughs> it was our most downloaded episode ever. <laughs> yeah, these are people are like five minutes. There's no way we'll get the insight <laughs> and expert analysis and all the great chuckles we come to expect. Man, I can't wait to do that again. Um. Okay. Any, right. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So. So Kirk, even though everyone's heard that they have ten minutes to live, Kirk kind of <laughs> talks to everyone on the ship. Is like, don't worry, we'll get out of this. Um. And so he There's they try the- they try to negotiate. They try and say we'll go back the way we came. Um, but none of it seems to work. While all this is going on, Spock is doing something to get a visual image inside the ship. And I don't understand why he's doing this. Or He, he says he's curious, but that sounds like an emotion to me. Uh, and uh, basically, Spock kind of spies on Baylock and gets a picture of Baylock. Who looks like a big old, like green faced, big headed alien. Um, but it just doesn't really make any sense. Well, it makes, makes we'll you wonder who else. In, um, the submarine one. Yeah. Makes you wonder who else he's, he's spying on out of. Curiosity. Yeah, like Spock's kind of a creep. Um, I, can, I can see what you're doing. <sighs> it's like, oh, I, I accidentally. Turned on the camera that looks right in your bedroom. And, oh and man, looks very good in both versions. Like the puppet coupled with whatever, however they filtered it, as a practical effect, actually yeah. for what it is, holds up. Yeah. And did you notice the weird guy that looks like Bruno Kirby standing <laughs> behind Kirk for no reason for this entire scene? <laughs> yes. And he has like he has like a slide rule or something. Yeah, he has like some... Kirk's check captain. Like, yeah, <laughs> make sure you yeah. handle this situation right. Yeah, he Maybe has I some explain. he has some weird like transparent plastic prop that I can't figure out what it is. But he's just like just behind him. Um, uh, finally, the end of a very long act. Bailey freaks out. Um, says that they're all gonna die. Um, and Kirk sends him to his room without any supper. Yeah, like, and, 
apparently just uh it's just a few steps short of a spree shooting is what gets you relieved of duty yeah. on Kirk's bridge. He's like, you fucking assholes, don't you know we're all going to get vaporized in seven... Oh, he's, he's really... doing a countdown! Yeah, he's what, really... Out of your minds? End of watch? He's, it's he's the really... end of everything! That's a pretty good Dave Bailey there, Doug. <laughs> uh, he's really pissed off that Sulu keeps counting down the minutes. <laughs> and Scotty makes a weird snide remark later, too. And it's just... Uh... Okay, so that's the end of the act. Thank oh. God. Oh, let's go All to right. the deliberation chamber. <laughs> All right, so I haven't so. been listening. <laughs> well, then I guess you give your scores first. All right, there was uh, there was imminent doom. That's fucking metal as shit. Yep. Uh, there is a, a very emotional reaction. <laughs> There's a ticking clock. There's a salad. Uh, there's misogyny. This is a pretty metal act. <laughs> I like so, how salad is among your metal things. I didn't say that. Oh. I just said that there was salad and that it was a metal act. Uh, and, and Kirk's like sanctimony and belittlement of, mm-hmm. and the way like like he totally overwhelms Bailey with work, including have him monitoring the communications at one point. It's like we did it pass the phasers, full impulse, listen to the communications stream, and then Bailey flips out. And it's that's like, all Kirk's doing. What the fuck you flipping out for, bro? Yeah, I'm so- just giving you five jobs. <laughs> So pretty much everyone's an asshole, so that's going to bring up the metal score to an 8. Uh, I'm going to give it a quality score of 7. Uh, pretty okay. exciting. They're all going to die. Fuck yeah. Well, I, th- I think Balak's just blanket determination to kill everyone. That's metal as fuck. The basis of, uh... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to give it an eight for metal and a seven for quality. This is a solid act. Um, a lot goes on. It's a little hard to keep track of, but all of it is good. All of it's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm uh, eight for metal, seven for quality. Hey, how about nice. that? <laughs> Excellent. I was Excellent. listening. See what I did there? All right, let's get out of here. Okay, two acts to go. Wow. Uh, so we, we rejoined the Enterprise. Uh, six minutes have elapsed. Um, they're no closer to solving the problem. Uh, <laughs> Kirk asks Spock for options, and Spock says, Well, in chess, when you're outmatched, the game is over. <laughs> Check me. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Spock. <laughs> yeah, which is really logical, I guess. Um... Uh, also, Spock makes a weird remark that he found Balok quite handsome and he reminded him of his father. Uh, and there's a weird back and forth about uh, Spock's mom, which, if he was an emotional man, would probably have led to someone getting punched. Um, but he was like, no, my mom was a quite handsome Earth woman. Wait, um, wait, who's going, yeah, my dad's hot? I, I think it, the implication went a little further than hot. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a weird sequence. Yeah. She considers herself a very fortunate Earth woman. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Um, okay, so... <laughs> so, uh, so once again, this is another Star Trek episode that claims that poker is more <laughs> superior to uh, chess. So they come up after after talking about Spock's well, well, mom well, for well, a while. Well, 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 what kind yeah. of poker? It was like eight hundred uh, kinds of poker. Which poker? Well, poker. They they never say what. Are kind they of all poker. better than chess? I mean, give me a break. Apparently, this is just yeah. lazy writing by sixty sci-fi. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe authors. in the sixties there was only one kind of poker. Maybe those <laughs> well, were all this was before in they seven. invented all all the uh, all the variants. That yeah, like. You know, poker, I, I got to say, poker itself is pretty metal because everyone who does it is fucking awful to talk to. <laughs> so, I just have to point know. out that when the sack starts, so the first line is four minutes, 30 seconds. The second is Mr. Scott saying, you have an annoying fascination for timepieces, Mr. Sulu. <laughs> because why would give a shit about the time? Yeah, like who needs to know how long you have left in your death countdown? Um, especially the fucking command staff. <laughs> it's not like they're like stacking boxes in the cargo bay. Like maybe they should be aware of how long. And it's literally Sulu's job because he has the clock in front of him. Um, uh, Okay, so we so we we talk about how let's not fucking know how long we have to work, and we talk about Spock's mom. Um, so we go into poker, uh, and here's the we go into the the Kirk McCoy scene in the turbo lift where we get some more ship's log drama. Because the, oh the, oh yeah, we get the same fucking yeah, we get the same fucking thing we got in the last episode, where uh, Kirk's like, "You're pushing him too hard," and he's like, "I'm gonna put in my log the Bailey sucks," and then McCoy's <laughs> like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna put my log that you worked in too hard." Um, just a lot of again, not what I would be doing if there was four minutes left to save my ship. But there's always time for for bickering and speculating about Spock's mom uh, and yelling at the people who are just trying to help you by giving the countdown. Um, Kirk makes some maximalist statements. I'm ordering you to drop it. I have no time for you, your theories, your quaint philosophies. Yep. Of course, oh, I intend to challenge you, your actions in my records. I'll state that I warned you about Bailey's condition. Now, that's no bluff. And this, luckily, is what gives him the idea. And Kirk says, anytime you can bluff me, Doctor. Aha, bluffing. So then he, he tells Uhura, once again, ship to ship. And they open hailing frequencies again. Uh, <laughs> and, and so Kirk explains to the other ship that all Earth ships for the past 200 years... Um, have incorporated a substance known as corbamite into their holes. Um, and uh, corbamite um, causes this strange, unexplained reaction that if any destructive energy touches the Earth vessel, a reverse reaction of equal strength is created, destroying the attacker. Yep. Well, that's... That's a lie. 
that is a lie, but he he uh he says it very emphatically. He says that since Corbomite was used over two centuries ago, no attacking vessel has survived the attempt. And death has little meaning to Earth people. Foolishness. Yeah. So the guy who um, wrote this episode is named Jerry Soul, S O H L. And uh, yeah, yep. among the things he wrote is uh, a book called Underhanded Chess. So uh, he, he apparently didn't hate chess <laughs> more than poker. You know, it's. it's yeah, yeah. He didn't I mean, write maybe. a poker book. He wrote a bridge book. Anyway. Well, bridge is kind of like when that thing. It's actually a lot like chess. Well, now, uh, that, now, <laughs> now that the show is nicely derailed, go ahead. We're going to podcast them chess. Um, <laughs> All right, Queen's Pond. Uh, magic. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do the, a magic episode. Actually, I thought of a way we could do magic on the air the same way we. Uh, this will be different than when we did it on the um, on the radio show. <laughs> that got broadcast. Oh my god! I can't wait. That might have to be a, a uh, that might be a, for our Patreon patrons. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sign up for Patreon. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I even put the link in the description, but uh, the link may or may not be in the description. And while you're there, uh, subscribe. <laughs> All right, so Kirk does this bluff. Spock talks about how it's well played. Uh, and the, yeah, here's the the part about his father. And then um, McCoy enabling Kirk. Now, Kirk apologizes to McCoy, and then McCoy's like, for having other things on your mind, it's my fault. I don't know how the devil you keep from punching me in the face. So... Then uh, they're still sweating. The countdown's still going on. Uh, Bailey, who was just thrown off the bridge five minutes or so ago, shows back up and says, "Can I go back to my job now that there's 30 seconds left for the ship?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, sure." Um, then, then they count down to one, and nothing happens. Ah. And 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 Balok calls over and says, We're a little concerned about this whole Corbomite thing. Um and so could you please prove that it's real? Um provide us some proof of your Corbomite device. Um not a device, and then, it's a material. And then uh Kirk says, let him sweat, so they decide not to answer, and they're all just kinda kind of chilling. Uh, Kirk calls over again, says, request denied. Um, they they creepily look in on Balok again um, and see him, like, well, kind of sweating. We're and forgetting then, a very important detail here, Matt. No, I'm getting, I'm getting right to okay. it. I'm this better be right what I think it. it is. This is the strangest fucking thing that's ever happened in Star Trek. And I've watched a lot of Star Trek. Is it so we're in a high, high tense it, it moment? Is. Will it this, is what I think it is. <laughs> will this Corbomite maneuver pull off? Will the Enterprise be saved? And all of a sudden, Janice fucking Rand shows up <laughs> with a bunch of paper cups and is like, 
Who wants coffee? <laughs> and 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 everyone's confused, but not for the reason they should be. Um, McCoy says, "I thought the power was off in the galley." Rand says, "I used a hand phaser and zap coffee." Again, this coffee is not mentioned any other point in the plot. Except for the fact that for the rest of this act, they have paper cups in their hands. What? What? As a of oh. all places, memory alpha helpfully points out, this supports Star Trek Six. That's that's very true. Of course, there are phasers in the kitchen. That's if true. Is down. How are you going to heat the coffee? That you need is. That phaser cabinet but why didn't the alarm go off <laughs> they only put that in and they remodeled and maybe they years. didn't have that technology yet um okay so they're, they're drinking their coffee um and <laughs> I, again not really sure what's going on um and they talk a little bit about poker McCoy says he'd love to teach it to Spock. They're not like frenemies yet. They're just genuine friends. They haven't really worked that relationship out yet. Um, And so then the big giant ship calls them and says, you know what? We're going to change our tactic here. Um, So we're going to tow you to somewhere else. um, And this little tiny ship is going to do the job. And the big ass ship is going to fly away. Uh, but don't try any funny business, because even the little tiny ship could destroy your vessel. Um, and then they're being towed. And that's the end of Act 3. All right. <laughs> All right, I have to do it. I'm going to give it a quality score of 10, based entirely on the coffee. I, I, I entirely agree. 10 all around. I'm going to give it uh, a metal score, however, of five. Five. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.66 here. Um, I like the audacity of fucking over the entire crew and yet insisting on coming back to your post when there's literally 30 seconds left to live. <laughs> um, like, so everyone thinks you're redeemed. Uh, I like just why why Rand thinks there's coffee. Like, fuck it, this is my job. I bring people coffee, and that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I like talking shit about Spock's mom. Um, I like, <laughs> I like uh, God, Spock. Literally not caring about his job. Yeah, or the like- predicament they're in. I like the weird edipedal, like edipedal uh, undertones of a lot of Spock's dialogue here, uh, and that's that's me. And and the, just the enablement of Kirk. Yeah, Kirk is a psychopath. <laughs> Kirk should be relieved of duty immediately. <laughs> he has he has no regard for the safety of his crew or his ship. Yeah, it's just, it's just a shame he's right spot on the money with the Corbinite maneuver and his ability to sell it. Yeah, and no, that's he, pretty metal. He too. runs a tight ship, so tight, in fact, that coffee is served on the dot, <laughs> regardless of the power situation or whether they're just about to die. I mean, he just made up some shit and sold it. That's pretty metal. They're, like the Enterprise 
in this episode, mere minutes ago, was tossed around like a rag doll, and yet none of the coffee cups have any kind of lid. <laughs> they live on the edge. <laughs> what are your scores there, Doug? I mean, they do the suburb, you know, the uh, um, Horatio Hornblower stuff. It's handled well. They get the the Kirk swagger and then all the craziness. It's an eight and a nine. That's right. Not bad. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Okay. Now, so far... This has been a pretty metal episode, and I hope it maintains this metalness <laughs> and doesn't descend in some kind of weird pseudo pederastric relationship. But let's uh, see what happens. I let's don't see like, what I, happens. I don't like this foreshadowing. So, okay, so the little ship, the little ship is towing the Enterprise. Um, and they, they Kirk is just kind of over this. They need to figure out. Um, you know, this has been going on for several hours again. Kirk is also um, a little jittery for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he's drank, he drank like six cups of coffee. <laughs> um, so what they discover or what they realize is that the tractor beam actually drains power on the little ship. Um, now why the giant planet sized ship couldn't have done this, unclear. Um, but they notice that there's a power drain, and so they hope to take advantage of that um, by sort of shearing away at an angle, and hopefully at a certain point this will break the rope, if you will, and the Enterprise will be free. I will. Um, <laughs> so that's exactly what they do. Um, now, it's it's hard. The engines go close to overheating. Um Passes the intermix temperature. Yeah, the intermix temperature gets gets up to eight thousand unspecified degrees. Um, uh, well, at Sp- eight thousand, does it really matter? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. And Spock, which much authority says she'll blow soon. <laughs> and then uh, someone mentions his mom again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. My favorite part of this whole sequence is the lack of any presence or voice of the chief engineer. Who, by the way, is on the bridge. Uh, and you think when the engines were overheating, you might have something to do in engineering. Uh, but it doesn't. Uh, so it works. The plan works. Um, the Enterprise breaks free. The little, the little four-ball ship uh, sort of blinks uh, lowly. Um, it's, it's clearly disabled. Uh, Scott says, no, again, I question the judgment of, of Commander Montgomery Scott here. They're still in a hostile situation. But Scott says, the engines need to rest, so can we hang out here for a couple of hours? By, by the way, I believe your favorite guy shows up again. <laughs> the, uh, the labeled pocket guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he yeah he does. He does because they keep they again. There's yeah. a lot again. There's like seven <laughs> successive scenes of like a turn. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, this is clearly one of the tilted the bridge set things, but also everyone's jittering. But people are jittering in different ways. So like William Shatner is just jittering his arms. 
because he's like very much in command. Are you uh, sure that's? Are you sure that's? That's like the, a, the the ship Dave moving Bailey is and not going him? like this. Uh, it's 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 not very, his caffeine addiction. Very interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, the 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 labeled pocket guy gets tossed around. Coffee is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they so Baylock sends out a distress signal to his big ship. Um, but they determine it's so weak that the giant mothership could probably not have heard it. So being the oh. humanitarian that he is, yeah. imminent death. Kirk, <laughs> Kirk uh, says we have to go rescue him. Um, so he creates a landing party. McCoy. Well, he sets up the stakes, interestingly, here. Uh, their lives at stake. Alien lives by our standards. Lives nonetheless. Yeah. So even though Balak has done nothing but fuck around with them, um, they uh, they decide to go save him. Uh, he brings McCoy and Bailey along with him. Uh, Spock really wants to go, possibly because of this whole like weird like Balak looks like his dad. Like Spock is really intent on going over, um, but Kirk, full of confidence, says that if something goes wrong. He needs Spock on the ship, you know. The one um, time he thinks of this in <laughs> ever eighties episodes, yeah. So they, uh, so they go to transport over. They're on the transporter pad. Scotty warns them that they need to to, to, to stoop over because the because it's pretty cramped over there. Um, when they beam over there, it is not. Cr- Amped at all, except for the one place Scotty has chosen to beam them in. <laughs> like, it just beams them under a ledge. But everywhere else is pretty much, like, nice and big and will accommodate a human male. Yeah, um, and, and Scotty has sold them on this being very risky, yeah. which it is not at all. And <laughs> there is a great scene of them putting on their gun belts. Yeah, very... Uh, yeah, and And they also... I think because this is intended as like the third episode ever, um, they're like, here's your communicator, here's your phaser weapon, you know, and just kind of like visually pass them like, here's your phaser, here's your communicator, um, just giving you a little screen time. And then we get over to the ship. So... All right, so first thing we do is see Baylock, the the creature we've been seeing, and immediately we discover Wait, it's which... a it's a what? It's a what? <laughs> it's a puppet. The thing they've been looking at is a puppet this whole time. Oh, puppet! So, <laughs> which ship are they on? The little one or the big one? No, the little one. All right, go ahead. Um, but. Apparently the little one the little one might just be the operation center of the big one. Then who do they see but old Clint Howard, 11-year-old Clint Howard, um with a weird overdubbed voice, uh dressed <laughs> up like the little prince. Um and uh he knows all their names. He's like, "Welcome aboard." 
That's just a puppet. I'm the real Baylock. Have some Tranya, uh, which is like this brownish punch, I guess you could call it. It's apple cider. <laughs> it's, it it, it's actually uh, grapefruit juice, which apparently the real Clint Howard hated drinking. Yeah, and it was like him. very hard. As a child actor, he said it was this greatest challenge was to pretend he enjoyed drinking this garbage. Yeah, it's um, because grapefruit juice is fucking terrible. Uh, so he he explains that he wanted to test the Enterprise. Uh, he explains that he controls the entire ship from his little vessel, but he's lonely. Um, and uh, you know he he really wants someone to join him. And that's the best way to learn about a culture is working together. Um, no, no, this is dumb as shit. Right. <laughs> I'll save uh, it for the discussion. Uh, Dave Bailey looks very intrigued by young uh, Baylock there. Um, and uh, he literally licks his lips when Captain Kirk suggests that Bailey might stay on. He's like, I'd, lo- I'd love that. Uh... And it's a win-win for Kirk, who seems to have a, a rational attachment to Bailey, but knows it's wrong. Uh, yeah, and it's just like, well, I can get this fuck up off my ship. Uh, Kirk says, like, a better officer in return. He's like, do you know anyone who'd like to go, Mr. Bailey? I'd like to volunteer, sir. And then Balok says something like, you're the Earth's finest then. He's like, no, I'll make a lot of mistakes. But you'll, And Kirk says, you'll find out more about us because I've sent you a fuck up. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's the episode. Dave Bailey's now on this ship. Uh, young, young Clint Howard calls for his big ship. Um, we assume the first federation is a real thing, P- perhaps. I mean, there's lots of memory beta things that uh, that Baylock really was a representative of the first federation. Um, but uh, are they just Baylocks? Is it a Miri situation? I'm not really sure. Um, we never find out. Um, all we know is this weird single man is on this giant ship. AKA a tiny ship with a weird childlike creature, and we're all supposed to be okay with that. At least Deckard had, or Decker had Iwea. Yeah. And V'ger. Yeah. Yeah. We done then? <laughs> That's the act. All right. Yeah. This is total bullshit. <laughs> I want to learn more about you, so I'll try to kill you. It's what yeah. were they going to do? Blow up the the thing and run away? You're going to learn a lot about that. Anyway, quality score one, metal score. Uh, it was tracking along pretty well until there's some creepy kid involved, and then clearly, uh, what's his name? Bailey is. Uh, I don't know, that smile when he's like, you can stay on board with this young child. Any biggest fucking smile ever. No, no, no. One. Zero. All right, zero? We, that's not that a ten, that's a zero. That's, that's a single zero? 
of people in the metal community. We'll put that out, right, yeah. Tim? What's that? We will exclude the behavior of people in the metal community as informing <laughs> the metalness assessment of that. Uh, how about the quality was so so poor it took away from the metal score? If that's what you want to use to justify it to yourself, but I am justifying it that that smile ruined everything. Okay, I I am going to take a lot of points down on the metal score um, for reasons that Tim has uh, uh, revealed. I'm just going to give it a four. Uh, I am going to give it an eight in quality, and 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 just hear me out. This is like a tired, cliched ending for us because we've lived our entire life uh, knowing that this is how this episode ends, right? Uh, it's always going to be some, there's never a monster. It's always a little kid, but I think I, I'm trying to imagine like the sixties audiences minds literally blowing up in their skulls when it's <laughs> not a monster, but a cute kid. Um, and, and that's, that oh, there was a of, cute kid too. No, oh, sorry. This, this ugly, <laughs> <laughs> ugly, uh, uh, gap toothed kid. Um, uh, with a weird dubbing. Um, there is a little too much like Kirk and McCoy holding Kurt, uh, or Clint Howard's hands um, because it's it's very unclear whether if he's just a diminutive adult, which I was my reading, or an actual child, um, but they behave like he's a child rather than like a sophisticated space creature. Um and and so I do deduct some metalness there, but I I do think kind of like this, as as a story, as the quality of a Star Trek story, as a as a reversal of expectation, it's pretty good. Um, I I find the let let Bailey go with you ending dissatisfying, um, but it's not, it, it's no like. Uh, the fucking what are little girls made of where he's just punching Lurch in the face and arguing with himself again. I mean, it's pretty good. I'd watch, this feels like a Star Trek episode to me. It it does. Yeah, the, well, I, I can only talk about the fifth act, or, to be clear here. True, true, true. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I think the reversal would have been more novel back then. Um, yeah, McCoy and Kirk definitely could use some uh, interspecies sensitivity training. And they they demonstrate a fair bit of unconscious bias in the treatment of Baylock. Mm -hmm. um, now, leaving an unstable person with this alien, I don't know. Look at memory beta, worked out okay for all parties. But I uh, can't count that. Uh, I'm going to go with a f three and a seven. Three and seven. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, let's see what we got. Whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. Well, this is, hmm. This is interesting. Sounds like so all the counting's done, Doug. Go ahead. Yeah, sounds like it might be an un unexpected result. Hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm. Let me let me recalibrate here. Um, 
Oh, that's unexpected, don't we? And it's coming at you with all this objectivity. <laughs> that's right. I'm, we're blind I to. to. I just need to adjust one more thing here. Okay, so uh, this is among our better episodes. Um, the average uh, scores here act three was by far the superior act uh with an 8.11 um the the ending did not fare as well it got a 3.8 uh the teaser got a 4.4 um both acts one and two were very respectable plus five uh, the average score for this episode is 5.922. Uh, if you remember, uh, the m- most recent episode we did, um, uh, which I believe was The Dagger of the Mind, got a 6.3, so not quite as good, but pretty good. The The absolute score is a 177.66, and I would like to use the 1 in 100 to subtract from one of those sevens to give it a more metal score of 76.66. And this is ranking uh, fairly high. Um, It is perhaps the third medalist episode we've watched so far. Uh, Up up among such greats as Where No Man Has Gone Before, uh, The Naked Time, uh, and definitely beating out the shittiest episode we've seen yet, Mud's Women. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, just going to memory beta, just tiniest thing. Well, first of all, Tranya, the drink, oh yeah, is is uh, appears in DS Nine, the, the actual show. Yep, Quark's Bar, Dax likes it. Uh, so that's Alpha, and then um, in the and the novels. I think it was a three-part novel or series. Bailey replaced Gary Mitchell, so oh, so Kirk it? sort of got a thing. He he knows it's it's unconscious bias. He knows what a go get him helmsman looks like to him. Does that mean that Kirk is a bad judge of character and of and or is someone who doesn't read resumes? Um, well, yeah, he just shoots from the hip. It's like, oh, I like this Bailey guy. Firm handshake. Kind of intense look. Hmm. He'll be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess that role is finally filled by Chekhov, but not till the next season. Um, but that's kind of... Or Mr. Kyle's there for a while, too, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, none of them great. This is just very strange of strange of old Cap'n, Cap'n Kirk. Maybe he gets a personnel director in season two, and we just never see him. Yeah, we just get a better, we get a better uh, thing. Oh, we have a big decision to make coming up. Um, but we'll talk about that next time when we join you for the menagerie, at least part one and probably part two, because <laughs> it's like four episodes in one. And uh, keep and, and special guest coming up, special guest for December. You'll see who it is next time on Podcast Him Down. Take us out, Doug. I'm Tim Regan. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, hit it. Hit I, it, I, Tim. I think you meant to say like, comment, subscribe, share. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boost like, engagement. <laughs> Click that smash bell. Smash like, twist the like button, and uh, subscribe <laughs> on multiple accounts. Go to your mom's house, open up her YouTube and her iTunes and her Spotify, and, and, and subscribe there. You oh, can find we're this on, shit on Stitcher. We're on Reddit Stitcher. now as well. So uh, Reddit. Reddit.com slash r slash listen to how old I sound slash podcast and down. Coming soon. P.S. Yeah. That's all right. Look for our, if you our, disagree with our take on the Corbo Light Maneuver, type that shit in the comments. That's also, right. get ready. Coming January 2022. TikTok. Podcast and down TikTok. I will be doing at least one a week oh, starting shit. January 1st, 2022. And that's wow. not a promise. That's a threat. Or, or whatever, whatever, whatever the way that uh whatever the way that's supposed to be. Alright. Now I'll take us out. Yeah, I, I, fucking Tranya. Are we done? <laughs> well, you told me not to uh, not to mute your mic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you never mute mics. <laughs> we have that to let the true. we have to let the feedback go all the way. So now, yeah, now no. we're officially in the Easter egg. <laughs> we need to be transparent to the viewers. That's our commitment. Are you really saying that the dogs ate your homework? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I mean, I got home and the dogs did tear, torn shit up, so I had to regulate. Fun fact: looking for a new dog, and uh, also fun fact: uh, if anyone has those like contractor trash bags, chuck me up. So, who wants to read the uh, what? What the the night on podcast him down. The Enterprise approaches a planet-sized vessel. I'm brain cut. Read cut. Matt. Start over. Right, right, okay, I've okay. never, I've never had to take two takes. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. Tonight on podcast. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> Are we doing your part to clarify? All right, all right. Three. I like to slate in because I think that's professional. Three, two, one.